Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Conservation Storytelling, hosted by me, Matt. So one of the sectors of conservation that has felt the impact of COVID-19 has been that of volunteerism. There are many projects that rely on volunteer funding to carry out their conservation efforts. And one of those programs is Imeri, which is located in Wenzel, Zimbabwe. This week we get to talk to Riley Travis, who's the manager of the conservancy out there, who talks to us about the impact that COVID-19 has had on volunteer funding and what the restrictions are on the ground for them at the moment. Riley also gives us some great insight into what he believes is the future of travel and where our responsibilities lie as humanity. Anyway, here's the conversation with Riley. Riley, welcome to the show and thanks for joining me. How are you going out there today? Oh, good. Thanks, Matt. A bit cold out here in Wedza, but uh, winter's definitely setting in, but all good. Thank you. Um, But yeah, everyone's well, family's good and um, yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Riley, can you just give our viewers and our listeners a bit of um, context as to where Imeri is located in Zim? So Imeri is southeast of the capital Harare. We're about uh, an hour, 45 minutes out of Harare. And yeah, we, we sort of in a, in a farming district. We're 4,500 hectares. So we've got about 50 square kilometers of conservancy um, and, a, and a pristine little piece of paradise uh, in Michelin Land East. So, Riley, most Zimbabweans know Imeri quite well. Can you give me a little bit of um, history around the development of Imeri and what the objectives are around Imeri? The history of Imeri is Imeri is a, it's a family-run uh, organization. It started in uh, 1972 from my late grandfather, um, Norman Travers, who was the founder of Imeri. Um, he was a, a passionate wildlife uh, enthusiast, conservationist, and he, he started Imeri rather like a, a Noah's Ark scenario. Animals came in two by two. Um, and he slowly but surely built Imeri. And then in 1987, Imeri became an IPZ uh, when poaching was at its at an all-time high in the Zambezi Valley. And we became custodians of Black Rhino. And that's where sort of Imeri got its heart and its focus. And we became a Black Rhino breeding um, area. IPZ, yeah, from there we've never looked back and it was thanks to the vision and the passion and the drive of Norman Travis that, that got us to where we were today. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey um, and hopefully we've got a, a long way to go, um, but it's certainly very big footsteps that we've got to, we've got to keep to with, you know, having, coming after Norman Travis and what he's achieved and what he's done for the conservation world of Zimbabwe. Riley, I was looking at Imeri's um, vision. And the vision is basically to enhance the relationships between tourism, conservation programs, and community areas through sustainable environmental management and positive community projects. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for us, just to let us know how you came about the vision and how you established this long-term goal for the area and for your, for your conservancy? I think, Matt, I'm going to go back in history. Um, Imeri's always been a 
had community involvement in it going back to 1972, where my grandparents uh, then got involved in the community. So it's a long-standing relationship we've had, and we're just enhancing and bettering the techniques and, and uh, concepts that, that were originated in. But, but our primary focus is number one, rhino protection. And we do this by using the community through a conservation strategy. And, and you know, we work on a tripod system, which is exactly what you said there, community, uh, tourism, and conservation. And we believe that those three pillars is what I know functions under. And that they're critical. We, ca we cannot operate without a missing, with removing one of those links out of there. Uh, the tripod will completely collapse. And it's, a, it's an effective system. It's an holistic approach to conservation, which I think is critical. And, you know, we, we, are, we are trade, not aid organization. Uh, I think that's, that's a really important factor to, for what IMERI stands for, you know. And Riley, just give, uh, give us and the, the listeners a little bit of more, um, a little bit more of an understanding as to where the funding to manage the conservancy comes from. Matt, so our, the volunteer program it, it plays a pivotal role uh, in IMERI. And the funding through the volunteer program is what runs IMERI. It keeps the wheels turning uh, on, this, on this big cart that we, we, we're pulling here. And so that is the, that's the core focus of where our funding comes in. Our volunteer program has been running uh, for the last 14 years. It was established in 2007. And so but surely it's, it's built up momentum. And our, our volunteers play a pivotal role in, in the community aspect and the day-to-day -day runnings of the, the conservancy. Um, they get behind, the, behind closed doors and they, they really get to understand, feel, and, and become very aware of what it takes to, to protect, preserve these incredible species that we, we're working with and, and habitat. And by doing that, it opens up opportunities, uh, funding opportunities where volunteers want to come back they want to get involved in our community projects, so they're, they're prepared to put in money to finance certain projects that we're doing. And we, you know, we've got a, a range of different uh, community projects that we run, and we, our community projects start from sort of ECDs, you know, tiny children, all the way up to elderly women groups, and we try and target, you know, at all different levels. And so the volunteers get to to witness this, see this, and um, the hardships, the, the challenges, as well as the the joy of the wildlife and, and what, what that's doing. And, and through that combination of tourism, you know, the funding comes through as well as, you know, the volunteers pay for that experience. And that's, how, that's the model Imeri is used and it's worked for Imeri. So, Riley, thanks for that. Just stepping back a little bit and the volunteer program being established in 2007. What was the purpose of starting the volunteer program then and how... How has it grown? Like, let's take us through the step-by-step step through the years. I mean, obviously, Zimbabwe's economic crisis has played a few big impacts on your sector and leading up to COVID-19 at the point of this conversation. But you've gone through similar, if not worse, scenarios in the past. So let's just start from 2007 and why the, why the volunteers were started. But why did we start the volunteer program? Zimbabwe at the time was going through, again, another incredibly challenging period. Poaching was at an all-time high. There was no tourism in the area. And I merely needed a boost. And I'd just come back from Kenya where I'd learned about volunteerism and I'd seen it happening. And I thought I'd introduce it to I merely. And it was a fantastic opportunity 
to open Ineri up again to the outside world, bring attention back to Ineri. And that's where it started. And it, 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 was, a, it was a very slow start. And, you know, we, we didn't have the resource for huge marketing and very, very difficult. But slowly but surely, the, the volunteers started to trickle in. And, and slowly but surely, the more volunteers trickled in, the more Ineri could grow, develop, and the more the, the community aspect we built on it. And it, it really was a game changer to, to Ineri and, and the, the new chapter that Ineri has gone through uh, over the last 14 years. Um, and it was through the, the volunteer initiative that Ineri is where we are today, hands down, 100%. That, that's allowed us the opportunity to grow, develop and improve our conservation efforts as a whole. Can you take us through the primary the primary responsibilities of the volunteers, what, what do they do and what do they come away with when they come onto your program? Matt, volunteers, I believe, are the future uh, to, to, well, not the future, but are going to play a pivotal role in conservation going forward. And, and why that is, is because I'll explain to you how, what they do. They, they get their hands dirty. They get behind the scenes. They get to understand what it takes to protect these species, what it takes to run a community conservation program, what it, you know, what the dedication of the men in the field and the, the, the work that they do to protect um, and put their lives on the line for the wildlife. And so they get exposed to all these different elements. And I feel it's that exposure that sends them back with the right message of what's happening in the conservation world and the challenges where in, a, in another scenario where you, you, you know, you've got high-end tourism, a lot of the time they, they don't get exposed to that. And I think that's where volunteer, that's why I think volunteer is going to play such a massive role in the future of conservation if the organization is running the volunteer program for the right reasons and it's been, doing, it's been done um, ethically, responsibly, and they're giving the volunteers that opportunity to, to see um, all those, the finer details of what's behind the scenes. And that's what we at Imeri allow our, our volunteers to do, is to get hands-on, hands-dirty, behind the scenes, get the emotions going, get, get that, that, that incredible experience um, and feeling of, of being involved in a team that, that's passionate and, and moving and motivated to protect and preserve wildlife. Absolutely, and I mean... These international volunteers are obviously taking the message back with them and your story is getting a far greater reach, not just for Imeri, but conservation in general in Africa and the efforts that everyone's going through on the ground. So Riley, now step in the COVID-19 era. When did Imeri have to close its doors to volunteerists? Matt, so we closed on the 18th of March, just, just as the flights were, so we had... We're in the middle of a, a nature enthusiast course. Uh, we had a full camp of volunteers. And obviously we, we saw what was going on in the news and we could suddenly, all of a sudden, the airlines were starting to close. And um, so on the 18th of March, we, we made the call um, and we addressed our, our volunteers. And, uh, which was, you know, you can imagine, it's not easy. You've got people who've spent you know, a lot of money, a lot of time uh, saving up to do, have these incredible experiences. and we. Sadly, had to send them home. We we're lucky enough; we've got managed to get everybody out within about a five-day period. Yeah, but it's it's been massive, Matt. It's it's played a massive, it's had a massive impact on Imeri and the runnings of Imeri, and you know we've really had to rethink, re-strategize, and 
work out where, where we're going to go from here to, to see this one out. For sure. I mean, so you've been almost, call it two months um, since you closed your doors to this. And we don't see any any light at the end of the tunnel as such as to when this is all going to unravel itself and come and return back to norm. In those two months, what have been your major setbacks? Where have you felt the impacts the most? And what has been your strategy around mitigating those impacts? The, the biggest impacts we've had um, that we've felt so far is obviously, you know, complete lack of, lack of income. Uh, I mean, that's been the hardest. So, you, you know, the resources aren't there to carry out uh, all the commitments that we've got as a, as a conservancy. So that's, the, that's been the biggest impact. And now we're just trying to eliminate what we can to keep the, keep this wheel turning and keep it uh, keep it moving. So we we primarily focused on on uh, security, protecting the, the asset, and that's what we're doing now. So we've we've kept all our we've, our guys on full pay um, just to keep them motivated, food packs, um, and just keep the men in the field and keep you know protect the wildlife. You know we run um, you know a numerous amount of community outreach programs. We've got women's uh, support groups making arts and crafts. We've got feeding programs at school where we feed over a thousand kids a day. Uh, we've got literacy programs where we teach literacy in, in um, three different schools here. We've got beekeeping projects that we've got to keep running. And these are all projects that require, you know, people, uh, clientele, uh, resources to, to keep them moving forward. Um, so we've had to put all those on, on hold at the moment due to this pandemic and, and then hopefully we can try and get things going again. We, we're trying to now get back, get into donor funding, which will give us the resources to, to get these projects up and going. Um, but we've had to put that all on hold, any development, any sort of maintenance, we've had to put on hold and just purely focus on that, on the security aspect. But hopefully as time goes on, we can start opening up and, and you know, slowly but surely getting back into all our, our community outreach programs and then, you know, the maintenance side day-to-day runnings of the, of the conservancy. Riley, can you give us a little bit of um, background into why it's important to be able to run, to involve the community in these, in your project? Why you do all these livelihood activities with them? Absolutely, Matt. I think communities, why, it's a fantastic question, why are communities um, such a pivotal role? For us, community buy-in is critical. You know, when you're dealing with a and 90% unemployment in the country, you're dealing with a starving nation. Uh, if you've got community buy-in, it, it just adds an, a whole nother level of protection to your, to, to protect and preservation of your wildlife and your habitat. And um, so getting the trust of the community, getting the relationships with the community is a, I think it's a, it's a big part of, of running a, a, a conservation organization. How do you expect somebody who can't feed his family not to, come out there and go and poach. But if you're able to assist and you've got a good relationship and you respect each other and that animal that is inside that park has got a value whereby they know if they kill that animal, they, they're not going to be able to feed their children or there's no school or there's no um, carpentry workshop going to be able to run. Because of that, we're going to have a loss of clientele. It, it just, it all, so it's, it's getting the community buy-in is critical to running these 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 uh, conservation organizations uh, and getting them to see the value in the wildlife and what you're protecting. So everything has to have a conservation message about it. And for us, that's what we've been able to achieve. And, and you know, when it's a small, insignificant examples, but for people running these projects, it's huge. And a couple of them are this. I mean, we've had 
um, Rhino breaking out of the conservancy. Where guys are phoning it up to say, your rhino's here, it's move, it's, we're going to follow it for you. And then when you get here, you know what I mean? They're taking time out of the day, they're taking airtime, which they don't actually have, can't afford to, to pay for, to phone you, to, to advise you what's going on for rhinos breaking out of the property. Or, I mean, I had, a, I had an incident where an impala is an insignificant, it's not insignificant, but on the greater schemes of things, it, you know, it's a small antelope. And I've had impala getting out of the property under a fence. The community caught it. The community caught that impala, phoned me and said, can you come and collect it and put it back in the park? Now, to me, that's a massive achievement um, you know, in terms of the buy-in that we have from our community. So that's why we do it, Matt. It's for those reasons. And Riley, that's years and years of developing relationships with your, with your neighbors, essentially, yeah? Matt, it's, that's the one thing I will say about... Um, <laughs> about working with communities. It's not a quick, if people think it's a quick fix, they're wrong. This is three generations worth of work that have gone into to working with our community to develop the trust and, and respect and acknowledgement of each other that, that have got us to this point. So correct, it's, it's time. So Riley, in light of the impact of COVID-19 and you having I spoke about this last week with Nikita on the previous podcast, but in light of scaling back on your livelihood programs and your support groups out in the community and focusing on your security of the conservancy, what has been the, what has been the reaction of the community? Have they been receptive? Have they acknowledged what's going on? Are they understanding? Yeah, I think, I think people are understanding now. Um, you know, in the beginning, when we first when it first came out, it was still very, nobody knew where we were, what was going on, why we were doing this. But certainly as, you know, there's a lot more news out there, there's a lot more information. Um, people do understand the situation. People understand they've got to get back to their families. People understand the challenges that this, this um, COVID, you know, presents. And um, so I, I think we've got, I think the people within the, with the Wednesday community definitely understand it, respect it. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm hoping that it's going to be sooner than later we're going to be back on track and back to some form of normality. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I was very surprised at how they they handled it, and um, it's been it's been encouraging for sure. For sure, that's well, that's fantastic to hear. Um, Riley, just going back to the to the volunteers and the role that they're playing in the field, how. How are your programs? I know your community programs have taken a knock and I know you focus a bit on um, contributions from the volunteers in terms of actual physical activity on the, on the conservancy and maintaining, maintaining a lot of the infrastructure there and particularly in collecting data science around animal behavior and stuff. How is there a plan in place? Have you got volunteers cancelling their, their trips or they're looking to postpone their trips? Are they still going to come out at the end of the day when this all lifts? Matt, uh, it's, yeah, interesting one. Um, funnily enough, we just had our um, April uh, marketing um, results in. Uh, so we, you know, we obviously all social media sites and uh, marketing campaigns that we, we run and we just had our results in. And, and funnily enough, <laughs> it's, the busiest April we've ever had, which is encouraging because that means people are, they're desperate to get back. 
back, desperate to get out. So that that is encouraging for us. Um, so yeah, there, there there is a bit of yeah. There, there's definitely hope at the end of this this tunnel uh, for us. Um, but it's just when you know when 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 is that going to be? That's the the challenging um, aspect that we've got to try and work out. When when can they at least the volunteers get back out time early? So um, it is positive in that respect. I think where everybody's had a chance to think about lives, slow down. And, and I, I believe this world's going to change, Matt. I, I think we're going we're gonna to have to change. We're going to have to look at it from another angle and, and, and readjust our lives and our, uh, our focuses because there, too much abuse has been going on. Too much yeah, lack of respect for, for wildlife, for nature uh, and, and the world. So I think I believe we sh we're going to be in a better place. I think tourism is going to be in a better place. Um, I think people are want to going to want to give back. I think people are going to come and make a difference. And that's the great thing about volunteering is that's exactly what you do is you come back and you make a difference to whatever avenue you've selected to get into to make a difference. Those volunteer programs should allow that to happen. And I think to me, it, tourism is going to be in a better place than it's ever been because we've got to learn to respect, give back and make a difference and stop abusing the natural world um, as we know it. So yeah, I'm, I'm positive, I'm pumped, I'm ready. Uh, it's just, we're just waiting, we're waiting for the, the green light to go, you know. Um, and our job right now is just to protect it. And then the moment we can get over and, and travel is back on track, I, I honestly believe the future is looking bright. We, we're going to have greener, hungrier people who want to protect, want to make a difference. And um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, the honest belief is that people are going to be more connected at the end of the day. We've, we've abused this planet for too long. We haven't paid enough attention to the world around us. And this is the perfect way, the perfect message to travel responsibly and to focus on the impact that we are making on this world. Riley, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on to, the, to this episode with us to discuss the impact that um, COVID-19 has had on your conservation efforts. Um, it's been awesome chatting with you. Is there anything more that you would like to tell us? Is there anything in particular that you'd like to get out there? Well, I think, first of all, Mike, I'd like to just to, to thank you and your team uh, for this opportunity to speak. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic platform. And yeah, so I, I really do appreciate it. So thank you. And then to the, to the viewers, um, I think, yeah, this is our opportunity as, as human beings to, to make a difference. We, we've, we've done too much damage. We've hurt the earth too much. And now's our time to, to make a difference. Come back and, and make this place and this world a better, a better place for, for us and for our future generations. And I think we've been given an opportunity and, and the world is, the earth is, you know, um, saying to us, guys, change. You know, there's so many signs and symptoms that she's, what she's trying to tell us. And I think we've got to take heed and we've got to unite, come together and, and really make a difference to this earth. I, my dream is to leave this place a better place than when I entered it. And this is our time to do it, guys. So let's join forces and, and let's, let's do it. Let's make this place a better place. And we look forward to seeing, seeing some of you out there in the near future. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are using. And if you can, leave a review. Every little bit helps.
Guys, take it easy and have a great weekend.